Well, listeners, it's been a long time. Glad to see your face. Welcome to Nashville Anthems, dissecting 80s and 90s country music. And big thank you to the Pontoon Boys for supplying the theme music for this episode. This is a podcast that looks back on 80s and 90s country music, reminiscing, admittedly, probably through glasses that are slightly rose-tinted, to see exactly what it is that makes 80s and 90s country music work. And we approach that through close examination of the songs played on satellite radio's 80s and 90s country station, one at a time. This time, satellite radio has once again taken us to a watering hole, where this time we encounter an old friend, Jody Messina's 1998 hit, I'm Alright. So if you haven't already, I hope you'll pause this podcast and give I'm Alright a close listen or two. I'll also be referencing a couple of songs that you may want to pull out if it's been a while since you've heard them. Alan Jackson's Wanted and Dan Fogelberg's Same Odd Lang Sign. Okay, now let's get into it. First, as always, we want to give credit where credit is due. I'm Alright, Misspelling and All was released by Jody Messina, that's Joe D, not Jody if you're keeping score at home. In 1998, reaching number one on the Billboard U.S. country charts, grabbing a chair, and staying there for three weeks. This is the rare country song where the songwriter is not the singer, and yet somehow the song feels as much like a song by that songwriter as it does a song by the singer. In this case, that songwriter is Phil Vassar. So the late 90s and early 80s saw both Phil Vassar and Jody Messina spend a few years in the spotlight, and it's probably not coincidental that their peaks coincided. This just seems like a good pairing. There's something that works about a Phil Vassar song in Jody Messina's voice, and we'll try to unpack some of that in this episode. Well, I'm Alright was the title track of Messina's second studio album. There's several nice songs on that album, including another by Phil Vassar, Bye Bye. And I'm Alright was produced by Byron Gallimore and another singer who owes a share to Phil Vassar. And that's Tim McGraw, co-producer on this song. So now let's get into some key features that make I'm Alright what it is. And the first one I want to talk about is motion. Or more like busyness, not to be confused with the business route that Messina's interlocutor is taking. More on that later. But I'm Alright is a song with a lot going on, a song that keeps moving, keeps us on our toes, never settles down on anything long enough for us to process it before moving on to the next thing, and the next, and the next, and the next. One place we see this is in the quick chord changes. We've talked about other songs' infrequent chord changes, and how that infrequency adds to a feeling of settledness, even not necessarily contentment, and maybe even tedium and ennui, like Neon Moon. Well, I'm Alright is in some ways the anti-Neon Moon. More on that lyrically in a moment, but in terms of musical movement, I'm Alright must have six chords for every one of Neon Moon. Here's the chord progression of the chorus, and, and the verse is similar. It goes like this. C, C over E, two beats on F, two beats on C, two on G, then C again, C over E, two beats on F again, C, G, C. Feel how much motion there is there? 
especially that split chord, that C over E to get between the C and the F. Vassar didn't have to put that in there, but he did. And it's a main reason that this song has such an overall feel of natural motion. It's an extra chord change, an extra movement. That's part of that overall effect, rhythmically. You're just never sitting on any chord long enough to think about it before the next one is on top of you. So the song has busy lyrics, too. I'm Alright, like many Phil Vassar compositions, packs in a lot of words, and maybe more importantly, a lot of syllables. You can hear the same effect in that other Jody Messina song by Phil Vassar that I mentioned, Bye Bye. And you can also hear it in Vassar's own song, Another Day in Paradise. Baby, we'll just improvise well. Plan B looks like Domino's Pizza in the candlelight. They will take your toe. Well, it's been a long time. Glad to see your face. I knew we'd meet again another time, another place. Those rapid fire syllables really move the song along. I mean, at first glance, you might think the song is in a fast tempo. But you know, it's really not. The tempo, in other words, the time from one beat to the next, is really pretty moderate. To see what I mean, try to sing this one in your head in the tempo of something like Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up, or even Seminole Wind. You see what I mean? It's not that the beats are close together, it's that there's a lot going on between each beat. Because what makes the song feel up-tempo are how all these syllables get packed into the beats in many strongly articulated 16th notes. A great example of this is in that first verse when Messina sings, I always knew you'd take the business route. You know, I always knew you'd take the business route. You were always... That word, business, would normally and naturally just be two eighth notes, business route. But we get an extra syllable in the middle just for fun, and that turns one of those eighth notes into two sixteenths, business route. Instead of business route, it's a business route. It's just some extra movement, rather like that C over E chord. It really doesn't have to be there, but it is, just to add to the feeling of motion and busyness, not to be confused with busyness, in the song. This is part of what seems to work about this pairing between Vassar and Messina. Messina's voice has a certain natural sass to it, a forceful attitude that feels comfortable with those heavy articulations on all these syllables, those quick, punchy accents, such that her voice cuts through the loud, busy instrumentation of the song to make itself heard. And Messina sings with a lot of conviction. We believe her because her delivery is spot on for the subject matter. She has a natural everywoman vibe, super conversational, it's even bordering on spoken word at times, such that she sounds like someone Mr. Three-Piece Suit actually might chance meet in a bar at some point, and that she would invite him to sit down and chat for a few hours. Well, we had a lot of dreams when we were younger. They thought we were crazy, but we had the hunger. We kept a lot of friends, kept a lot of class. On that note, did you notice the format of this conversation? It reminds me of Alan Jackson's song, Wanted. We get one side of a two-sided conversation. Or, sort of. In Wanted, there is space for the lady that's selling the personal ad to ask questions, so that you can kind of imagine her half of this dialogue. But what is the man Messina is having this couple of beers with saying? There are no questions to him. She doesn't ask him anything. And it doesn't really sound like Messina is answering any questions from her to him either. The fact is, it sounds like he couldn't squeeze a word in if he wanted to, because 
the lyrics are so busy, as we've been saying. So, more on the effect of this one-sided format in a moment, but let's circle back to that busy instrumentation that I alluded to a moment ago. So first, there are just a lot of instruments on this song, with most of them playing essentially all the time, at least on the choruses. So that fact alone makes the song feel busy. The individual instrumental parts are also busy. Some standouts on this one are on the string side, you've got some dobro. Good to hear that in there. We don't get a ton of dobro in 80s and 90s country, at least pre-Dixie Chicks. And on I'm Alright, the dobro is more sparing than some of the other instruments in terms of how often it plays. But when it plays, it moves around quickly, never sitting on any note for any length of time. Also an instrument we do get a lot in 80s and 90s country, pedal steel shows up prominently in this song. And this is another way that I'm Alright is the anti-Neon Moon. If you remember, pedal steel was prominent in Neon Moon also, but Neon Moon's steel guitar used a lot of sustain and built these thick, cloudy chords slowly with each additional string plucked. There's a rundown bar across the railroad track. I got a table for two. The steel guitar on I'm Alright is played more like the dobro, injecting individual 8th and 16th notes into this packed and busy musical landscape. So on the rhythm side, the drums are worth highlighting as well. This is a very active drum part, nothing like the super straight one we heard in Summer's Coming, but closer to something like the drum part in How Forever Feels or maybe Rodeo. Then finally, two keyboard instruments on this one, organ and piano. Both are used extensively and playing similar moving parts to the dobro and the steel guitar. So those two instruments, especially along with some split chords that we touched on earlier, actually give the song a gospel vibe that I don't know quite what to do with, but it's there. Chew on that, listeners. And if you feel like there's something key I'm missing there, write me at meltonmcmainerberry at gmail.com and let me know what you're picking up on. Okay, so I think we've pretty well established that busyness is a defining aspect of I'm Alright. But to what end? What is taking the busyness route doing in I'm Alright? Well, that question brings us to the second key feature I want to get to, that of nostalgia. Nostalgia, but a very specific flavor of nostalgia. Because while this song is full of wistful reminiscing, the song ultimately rejects nostalgia in favor of not even the future, but the here and now. So we've seen this before so much that I'm calling it a hallmark of the country music we're studying here. And that's a specifically relatable take on a common idea. Let's unpack that specific take a little more, because it's a little simplistic to call it a rejection of nostalgia in favor of the here and now. Okay, we've mentioned how I'm Alright is kind of the anti-neon moon, and you really see it in this nostalgia rejection idea, such as it is. Because where neon moon felt listlessly trapped 
in its downtrodden condition, I'm All Right feels willfully, almost militantly content with its middle-of-the-road situation, unchanging though it may be. And it's a contentment that refuses to think about the future long enough to get discouraged about it. Maybe even a contentment that in the back of its mind knows all really isn't all right, but would rather just not think about it. In Neon Moon, the protagonist wallowed in what the I'm All Right protagonist sweeps under the rug. You really hear this in the second verse. It starts off with some of that Kenny Chesney-style high school nostalgia we're used to from this time period, with references to friends and dreams and skipping class. But how does that verse end? With the lyric, but beating time is a losing fight, so I guess I'm doing all right. It's like the protagonist caught herself reminiscing a little too much, being a little too wistful at the view through those rose-colored glasses, sensed the risk to her present contentment if she kept going down that trail, and abruptly cut it off with the unqualified declaration that she's what? All right. Not great, right? But not bad either. Or at least not willing to think about it deeply enough to feel bad. We get another touch of this rug-sweeping contentment in the third verse in the line, Tell them all, my future's looking bright. Hmm. Feels a little too vague, a little too ambiguous to be believable, right? Bright how? The vibe of the song is to change the subject without answering that probing question. So I don't think you can call the song optimistic, but I don't think you can call it pessimistic either. As we continue to see in 80s and 90s country, I'm All Right is a celebration of simple contentment and blind optimism. We've seen that some songs wink at those blinders, especially once you get into the mid and late 90s like this one. And some, like Rodeo and I'm Gonna Be Somebody, probably not coincidentally from the early 90s, leave no room for questioning its premise. So here's where the busyness we just talked about comes in, because I think the main means the song uses to stiff-arm any approaching tough questions is simply not to leave space for them. The song leaves no time for the listener to ponder what it's just heard before it's four chords and a dozen words down the road. As we've seen before, Messina's conversation partner hasn't said a word and couldn't if he wanted to because the lyrics prevent him from getting a word in edgewise. So who is going to ask those tough questions? The man in the three-piece suit may or may not want to, but we'll never know, because between the time he grabs a chair and a couple of beers, and the evening ends with the exchange of fax numbers, he never gets a chance. So I'm Alright is a song that knows its vibe wouldn't stand up to questioning, and part of what makes it so relatable is how it implies that self-awareness by doing just what we often do in the same situation. And I have to say, I love this. I love this specific take that this song takes on nostalgia. Okay, one more point on that nostalgia factor. So I'm really glad that the reunion that's portrayed in this song doesn't end in romance. Thank you, Phil Vassar, for rejecting that obvious but unrelatable move. I say obvious. It's never really explicit in the song that Messina's interlocutor is a man, but I think that the three-piece suit reference implies it. But anyway, far from a Hallmark Channel plot, I'm All Right is really much more like Dan Fogelberg, right? That song, Same Auld Lang Sign that I noted at the beginning. Not a country song, 
but a song nevertheless with much the same angle on nostalgia as this one, despite the markedly different tone. In Same Old Lang Syne, we have another chance middle-aged meeting between members of the opposite sex who were close probably in high school, and both couples took the opportunity from that chance meeting to reminisce over beer, although Fogelberg and his conversation partner are up 6-2 to two on that front for those keeping score at home. And in both songs, the nostalgia falls a little flat when applied to the present. The connection, if these characters give themselves permission to be honest, isn't there anymore or certainly isn't anything like it used to be. Life has moved on, there are families, careers, travels, all this gap-filling history that is all these present-day people think about for themselves and which their fellow reminiscers probably aren't even aware of. In other words, I don't think that fax, card, or phone call is ever going to come, Jody. And that's relatable. That's real life, and that's a major reason this song works. Let's recap. In summary, this is ultimately a song with a specific, relatable take on the idea of nostalgia versus contentment, willfully using multifaceted busyness to avoid any consideration that might disrupt its celebration of its repeatedly declared middle-of-the-road contentment. And... There's gossipy stuff in there that I don't know what to do with. But rather than probe any deeper, let's change the subject and find out what we'll be covering next time on Nashville Anthems. I'm going to pull up Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station right now and see what's playing. We have someone I'm going to be so bold as to say is Jody Messina and pretty much every other woman from the 90s in country music's biggest influence, and that's Reba McIntyre. The name of the song is I'd Rather Ride Around With You. I look forward to talking with you about that in two weeks. Until then, you can write me at meltonmcmainerberry at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought about this episode or what you think about I'm All Right. You can also find me on Instagram. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in two weeks. I gotta go. Something's not right. <laughs>